and welcome to the Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Sunday evening. Apologies, we missed podcast on Friday. I was under mm. the weather. Mm. Hopefully recovered now. And, you know, not much had happened in the in the NBA. I mean, it was just the first couple days of the season. We didn't miss anything. So what's <laughs> the problem? Sorry. Anyway, joining us from the center, some people would call it the uh, core state spectrum. I think that's what it was called when I first started covering the league, the core state spectrum. But maybe it was called something. Or maybe that, I don't know, whatever it was, is Tim Bontemps. The Sixers would probably prefer to call it that than the Wells Fargo Center, which is what it's named. Uh, glad you're feeling better, man. And it just gives us more to talk about today. So lots of yeah. The sure. uh, you you were at the Blazers uh, visiting uh, the the uh, Sixers today. Terrific game for Joel Embiid. We'll uh, talk about that uh, in a few minutes. Joining us from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Mm. He was on hand to see the Nuggets work over the Oklahoma City Thunder in their home opener on Sunday. Is Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. Watch the best big man in the league today. No offense to one Joel Embiid, but uh, it's just a simple fact. One of them's got a ring. One of them's got twice as many MVPs. Good to be back with you, boys. I'm just going to say that, uh, was it on Friday, Jokic threw a 70-foot? No, 33-yard. 33-yard. That kind of <laughs> pass you measure in yards. Well, the, the court isn't 33 yards, So, I, but I know what it you're a- saying. It was a touchdown. He inbounded the ball at the foul he line. An, he threw an alley-oop to Aaron Gordon from the opposite coach's box. That's what he did. Yes. From out of bounds and inbound. Well, yes. And, and, and honestly, part of the crazy thing here was it's not like he got the ball from the ref and like scanned the floor and one. Two. No, it was one motion. Got the ball from the ref and immediately went into John Elway mode and threw a bullet 33 yards down the floor. And by the way, the other crazy thing aaron gordon caught a bullet and threw it down with one hand in one motion it was it was one of the sickest plays you'll see all season and it was in the first couple days of the season right i realize that there's no way we can predict what highlights we might see this year but i'll be damned if you see three or four more impressive than that one i'm I'm not sure i've seen three or more i'm not sure i've seen three or four more impressive passes ever (laughs) let alone let alone this season uh, seriously like after i saw that play i was like the rest of the NBA better get right with God because <laughs> I mean, the, the mastery <laughs> that that play was, and you know what? I'll bet he didn't even think about it. Like four seconds later, <laughs> well, look, there was, there were some questions about whether Denver was going to be sort of fat and happy early in the year. And uh, you know what they were going to look like coming off the title. Uh, they look awesome and totally locked in and, Obviously, McMahon saw him today. I got a Including chance to watch today. the first We'll get to half. them in a minute. They're, we'll get to look, them in a minute. They look beyond great. All right. First, I want to start off with Philly's home opener tonight against the Blazers, which they won by like 30. Um, the game itself wasn't that interesting. Bontemps, can you give us the Harden saga update? Because that is what, unfortunately, is a big part of your, uh, your job at the moment. Uh, James Harden was uh, worked out the last few days as he was supposed to. He came to the team's pregame walkthrough and video session as he was supposed to. He sat on the bench today as he was supposed to. And we Mm. will see if he's supposed, if he practices on Tuesday in five on five settings as he is supposed to, that will be the next uh, check-in point. And they have, they will not practice Monday. They will practice Tuesday and Wednesday. And then they play Nick Nurse's old team, the Toronto Raptors, for the second time in a handful of days on Thursday. And I believe that we'll either know if James Harden is going to play for the Sixers this season uh, and he plays in that game and we talk about it on Friday's pod, or he will, for some reason, have not played in that game and we will not be talking about James Harden playing for the Sixers at any point this season. That is my now, where's belief that game? on how this is going to go. It is here in Philadelphia. Ooh, good. Those airport, those airport visits are perilous for the Sixers these days. So glad you don't have an airport visit in the way, no airport visit, you know, security won't get involved and stop them. No, no drama there. I tell you yeah. what, man, James sitting on the bench, true, just consummate professional Been a lot of professionalism, a lot of praise for his professionalism lately. I certainly think we can all appreciate that. This thing is uh, just going as well as you could expect. Well, look, I, I think to this point, I think it's gone I don't think it's really caused any issues for the Sixers from a strictly a on-court basketball standpoint. I think they've been able to sort of put it to the side. 
They've gotten off to a nice start. Could have easily won in Milwaukee on Thursday. Won a nice back-to-back last two nights against Toronto and uh, Toronto and Portland. Joel Embiid was tremendous in both games after a pretty uh, rough hold on one second. night. Real quick. Embiid, yeah. just this is what Embiid's line was against, against Portland. 35 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, 6 blocks, 29 Man. minutes. Now it's in 3 quarters. Because, yeah, yeah it's no. in 3 quarters. And he shrugged off the temptation to rest. Questionable for rest. Game time decision. Well, fought through the fatigue <laughs> of the first week of the season. I have to say, in he 21 was, years. Put that line out there. I got to say, in 21 years, it was the first time I ever heard a game time decision due to rest. Well, he That's was, what the injury well, report said. Joel Embiid is questionable to play a lot of the time. And he plays basically every time. He was always going to play in this game. Uh, I'm not sure why he was listed as questionable for rest as opposed to some ailment. I think the Sixers were giving themselves a bit of an out in case he felt terrible after getting back. I think they got back at 4 a.m. after getting through customs from Toronto last night. But Joel is often decision. Joel Joel is a game time decision 40 games a year. That's my (laughs) point. There's been countless games like today when I stand on the court, I stood at center court. I watched him come out at the 45 minute mark. He worked out for 10 minutes. He ran back in. He was immediately named in the starting lineup. This happens 30 to 40 times a season, including in playoff games. So he was going to always, and as he said after the game, it was, it was going to take a heck of a lot for me to not play in the home opener, which he was always going to play in. And he was incredible in the game from start to finish. He seemed but, to be very worried about DeAndre Ayton. Oh boy. He was, he was not worried about DeAndre Ayton. Uh, DeAndre Ayton's trade to Portland might fall under the category of be careful what you wish for. He's not seen the ball a whole lot, doesn't seem like, with those young guards. Huh. Uh, the, the the Blazers are a mess on a variety of levels. So the we'll guy there in uh, a second back to Harden. I'm sorry I interrupted with how well. Yeah. Was so uh, look, I think so far this hasn't really been a huge issue for Philly. You know, James hasn't caused any issues when he's been here to this point. Obviously, he's been in and out. It's been a little bit of a distraction, but it hasn't been something that they've been getting asked about endlessly, really. But I think, like I said earlier, I think this week is going to be the Rubicon moment one way or the other for this situation. Either he is going to play starting on Thursday and decide to be around and wait and see if he can get traded. Or if something else happens and he doesn't play Thursday, I suspect he won't be playing anytime soon, if ever. For the Sixers, because I think we're getting to the point with Tyrese Maxey looking absolutely fantastic so far. Mm-hmm. Banged his elbow today, didn't quite have the same kind of game he did in the first two. And yet he still finished with 26 points, 10 rebounds and four assists. And that's a step down from his first two games. He looks like an all star. The Sixers look great. They have really good chemistry on the court. Joel is playing great. I think they have every reason to pretty hold pretty firm on what they're doing here. And up until now. They had some wiggle room with James because the season hadn't started yet and they could sort of let this play out. But now that he's come back and he's worked out the last few days, I think we're going to find out maybe as soon as Tuesday. Is he going to practice fully? Is he going to go five on five, as Nick Nurse said he needs to do today before the game? Or is he not? And I think if he doesn't, there's going to have to be some real conversations about this situation moving to the next phase, which is the Sixers saying, we have a really good team still. We're moving on. We're not going to deal with this anymore. Because I, I just don't see this situation lingering in this weird in-between where you're not sure what James Harden's going to do on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. for very much longer. I just don't see how that's tenable for them to do that. Well, he didn't get his trade. He tried everything he possibly could to get his trade to the Clippers. The trade didn't happen. Doesn't mean that it won't happen. But as Woj reported this week, the Clippers have temporarily shut down discussions, although that's happened in the past. I think that's right. just a a move on their part to settle their players down, which I think is what their move was over the summer too. I'm sure it could still be rekindled within seconds, but you know, there's no other move for him to make. I I have felt all along that his best bet was to play for this team. We've said that. And Absolutely. I thought he was going to, I thought he was going to do it, you know, th- two weeks ago or whatever it was when he came in on that Friday, talked to the media, said, I'm going to ramp up and play. Said my plan said, is to play basketball. I was like, okay, I guess he's going to do it. I'm surprised, but I guess he's going to do it. Now I have no idea what will happen. No I mean, idea. He went home for a week and a half in between, and I will believe that James Harden will play to win for the Sixers when I see it. There, There's a difference between playing, being in uniform, being in the lineup, and actually giving a crap about the result of the game. I will believe that he gives a crap about the result of the game when I see it because I've said it 
many times when James Harden tells you he's quitting, believe him. And he keeps telling them, I'm quitting, I'm quitting, I'm quitting, I'm quitting. So, well, and that's why we're going to find out this week, because I don't think this is going to go much farther than Thursday, one way or the other. I think we're either going to know he's playing and he's committed to playing, at least in, for a while, to, it, because I think to Brian's point, it would help make this trade happen mm-hmm. if he's out there and playing and playing well. That only would, in theory, incentivize a team like the Clippers say, hey, this guy looks good. He's out here playing. Maybe come revisit this and do a trade at some point or something will happen this week, which to your point, given James's history, it's very reasonable to think something will happen besides him practicing for two days and playing. And I think if he doesn't practice two days and play, I think we're reaching the point where somebody's going to have to stand up and say, this is not going to continue. By the way, Tobias Harris has been off to a pretty good start to this season. He had a good game today. He's shooting the ball really well. Small sample size, but... Well, he looks like a guy who's very happy to have a different voice around and somebody who from the beginning and Nick nurse has been encouraging him to shoot the ball and be aggressive and take part in the offense and not be a guy who's sort of just staying there waiting to catch the ball on the wing and get a couple shots a game and then guard people. Like he, he looks like a guy who's engaged and they across the board look like a team that's engaged. Kelly Oubre is playing the best basketball I've ever seen him play. He's been great so far. Maxie's been great. Joel is locked in like they're, they're a really good team. We've talked about it a bunch of times. They have a lot of talent. This is a 50-win team, even without James Harden. Like, they won 50 games two years ago with Tyrese Maxey learning how to play point guard as a second-year player with the whole Ben Simmons thing going on. This team is better than that team. Joel is better than he was then. Mm-hmm. So, they're in a good place. They feel good, but, you know, I'm going to have to come down here a lot this week, and I think by the time, like I said, by the time we pod Thursday night after that game, I think we'll have a much, much more certain feel of where this thing is going right we might even know definitively where it's going by then by the way uber had a good year last year it was it was it was interesting to me that nobody wanted to pay him anything yeah he hey ben score for the minimum that's a nice that's a nice little addition for them well, well and the bigger thing than that is he's really guarding and guarding well and staying in control on the like he's been fantastic so far frankly like and i mean now it's hard to know he's going to play like this all the way through but if he's anywhere close to this all season, that's going to be one of the real bargain deals of the summer because he he's playing like a legitimate top 18 playoff rotation kind of guy mm-hmm. through training camp in the first couple games of the season. All right, so Blazers are 0-3. That's no big deal. They're in a rebuild mode, what have you. Scoot Henderson, 27 minutes in this game, four points, uh, one rebound, three assists is not off to a great start very mm. early yeah. very very early chauncey billups his coach has challenged him called him out a little bit after uh game one is not shooting the ball well at all i think he's shooting uh i don't have to do the do the math but i think I, mean, he's, I can you know, tell he's you not... he's 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 shooting 10 for 30 from the field and that he's shooting like one for 12 from three that's sounds like Single digit percentage. It's single digit. It's about it's seven and a half percent. I mean, look, he's a young guy. He's young guards. We've talked about this a lot of times. I mean, we're, I'm watching De'Aaron Fox right now play against the play against the Lakers, coming back in after twisting his ankle. And De'Aaron Fox early on in his career didn't look great. You look at a lot of these young guards or these these elite guards in the league, they struggle early on. It's a very hard thing to do. So it's gonna take Scoot some time. I think he's going to be more than fine. Jaden Charles yeah. went off to a nice start. With Anthony Simons hurt, he's going to get a chance to play 30, 35 minutes a game starting next to Scoot. It was funny. Chauncey got asked before the game about those two young guys and said, it was like, hey, you know, how does it, you know, what is it like having two really young guards like this playing together? And he was like, well, look, it's fun a lot of times. And then it's also hurtful a lot of times because you're watching them make some painful mistakes. And right. For a Blazer team. Anthony that, you know, Simons. Yeah, Anthony Simons, you just said it in passing, but he tore his uh, ligament in his thumb, which is kind of a common injury, unfortunately, in the NBA. Got to have surgery, and it's four to six weeks. It was four to six weeks 20 years ago. It'll probably be four to six weeks in 20 years. It's a, it's a common yeah. injury, but but that does create more playing time for Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson, but um, maybe yeah, not, they're gonna maybe lose not a- the ideal situation yeah, I mean, for their team they're gonna i mean it's, it is the ideal situation for the yeah. team frankly because those guys need to well, play yeah, 35 right. minutes a game right. together but, and this team is going right. to be awful and lose a ton of games and get another super high draft pick to go with these other guys that they've got up and down the roster where they've got some 
really intriguing players, which, by the way, includes Tumani Kamara, the guy they got from the Suns in the DeAndre Ayton trade as a throw-in, as a second-round pick, who is pretty interesting and yeah. was in, did some stuff today and, frankly, looks like a guy who could be playing for the Suns. And well, he would have been playing for the Suns. I've talked, you know, when I went through Phoenix, like the guy, the Suns coaching staff was sick about losing in that trade. It was the rookie second rounder, not the number one overall pick on a max deal. Um, but look, Portland's going to be bad this year. They're going to take their lumps. You hope that Scoot and Sharp and, you know, the other young guys learn from them and grow from them. And then they have another very high lottery pick to go with them next year. Like that. Mm-hmm. That's all we need to say about the Blazers. They're That's not right. like it's exactly what bad. they're supposed to be. It's doing. okay. It's it's year one of a massive rebuild. And the other thing too, uh, just watching this game, I hope Robert Williams gets traded at some point this year because yeah. he is still a really impactful player. I mean, he was out there making some defensive plays today. If he's the eighth guy coming off the bench on this team, I I just hope he ends up on a playoff team this year and has a chance to make an impact. Because, like, I, I'm watching it. We talked about it the other day after the Steven Adams thing came out. Like, imagine Robert Williams or Jaron Jackson Jr. in Memphis, a team that's not off to such a great start, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be pretty fun to watch. And I mean, that's just figure, that could use him. you got to figure they're going to trade Malcolm Brogdon at some point. You'd think they'll and, both get traded at some point. Oh, no, no, no. We're, we're deep into the narrative of Malcolm Brogdon as the great men, veteran mentor. Nope, nope. We're, we're deep into that narrative. Can't trade him. All right. No, sir. <laughs> Yeah, well, anyway, we'll see what happens there. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. Okay, McMahon, I want to talk to you because the, the Thunder were off to a pretty good start, 2-0. Uh, they had a ter- tremendous come-from-behind win in Cleveland yes. over the weekend where they were down 10 points with two minutes left. And won it. Uh, yeah. Real gut punch to the Cavs. Shea Gildas Alexander uh, and Chet Holmgren making, and Jalen Williams, but really Chet and Shea making some uh, terrific plays. Um, Lou Dort Chet, was huge in that game offensively. Well, Lou Dort is just, you know, not, there's nothing that Lou Dort is doing now that we haven't already seen. But um, Except for making jump shots. He made jump shots last year. He's consistently made more and more. Um, that's why they extended him in the offseason. One of the reasons. Anyway, Holmgren with his first, like, yeah. you know, whoa performance, uh, blocked seven shots in that game in Cleveland. And on Twitter um, said there should have been more. <laughs> he said it on Twitter. Yeah, what I'm I saying. was like, uh, he, he like very, um, with an edge tweeted at the NBA, like you better get my, you better go back and look and, and, uh, make sure that you counted all my blocks. Clarified. He doesn't care about stats, but Hey. Right, but um, I no, was listen, like, "Hey, is that from?" T- I was like, "Wait a minute, is that from tonight?" Like, I saw the tweet and I was like, "Was he talking about tonight's game?" Because mm-hmm. in tonight's game, he got credit for seven blocks. I I think he had eight or nine. I actually went back and looked. Well, but I was thinking, well, because he had none in game one. I was thinking, oh, maybe what he's saying is that he should have had a couple in game uh-huh. one, and there's seven in game two is proof of that. No, he was saying I was undercounted with, with seven. Crazy. Listen, stats matter in rookie of the year races, and I do believe there will be one of those this year, gentlemen. Oh, there well, absolutely he had will none be. on no uh, he had none on Jokic in this game today because Jokic hmm. um eviscerated him. Uh he eviscerated every 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 well, uh, member and, of the Thunder. And honestly, the one thing that went well for the Thunder in this game, they got annihilated. It was a tough night. Shea was terrible. It was maybe his two worst of, game. Thunder two of won. sixteen shooting for Shea. The one thing that went well was Chet in the first half also eviscerated Jokic. Now, not enough to make up for <laughs> what was happening on the other end, but it, it was kind of a reminder. The couple of centers in the league who you say, man, whew, Chet at 212 maybe is going to have a real tough time defending those guys. He's going to be able to stretch them out and challenge them. But no, I mean, listen, the Thunder were no match for the Nuggets. Uh, the Nuggets, like the Thunder basically are starting Chet with four guards. And against a team like the Nuggets, where you have Joker, Aaron Gordon, and Dennis Rodman with a jump shot, and by that I mean Michael Porter Jr., who is rebounding like a madman, like the size mismatch is just insane. And, I mean, Joker 
like he looks like he still has to sweat off some of that Serbian summer and the championship parade still. Like he's, you know, looks a little heavy and he's just absolutely dominant. Like the guy is lumbering and laboring and you look up at halftime and it's 22, nine and four. <laughs> <He's ridiculous. laughs> it, I mean, he's just, they shot 60% today. And I, and Michael Malone after the game was, you know, basically tipping his cap. Who knows how long it'll last, but there's no hangover in the early going here. They look like they're the same team that stepped off the court uh, in June. Um, it sort of reminds me of the 15-16 Warriors a little bit. I mean, a team that that won the title, got sort of questioned for winning the title, and they come out the next year and they're stomping people. And I'm well, not and, saying and, they're going to go for 73 wins, but they they look like they're on a out to prove some points. Right, and the, the starting five is the same, and those guys fit so well together. There's continuity there. I mean... Like I said, just perfect fit. Joker's the best player in the world. Murray, perfect compliment to him. Gordon on down the on down the line, and then you've got young, hungry guys coming off the bench. Christian Brown went from what, like eighth man to sixth man. Uh, you know, Reggie Peyton Jackson. Watson. Yeah, Reggie Peyton Jackson. Watson had a big day today. Yeah, Peyton Watson is you know basically a redshirt rookie. I mean, barely played last year, and. He might be the best shot blocking wing since Andre Kirilenko. It's a very kind of a niche category, but he's this six foot eight athlete callback. who's got just like this knack for. <laughs> now, if you talk to people with the Nuggets, they're like, "Yeah, you know, he's one of the best shot blocking." Well, I don't know if you could say that Dwayne Wade was a wing. Well, right, Dwayne Wade's the best shot blocking guard of all time. Although John yeah. Wall tried to claim that thing, but we're not giving it to him since he took that cheap shot to my back while I was doing this. Stand up. <laughs> and we've never heard from him again. <laughs> That's right. Last shot of his career. Derek um, White's making a push for being in that conversation too. There you go. But like Peyton Watson, six eight, super athletic, like is swatting shots. Now the Nuggets coaches are like, dude, you don't get extra like bonus points if it goes into the tenth row. What we actually would like is if it stays in bounds and then we're transitioning the other way. But still, seventeen points today. It looks like he's developing kind of a feel and an understanding of when and how to cut, which if you're playing with Joker is pretty critical for a wing player. Um, Reggie Jackson's off to a really good start. He never really got his feet under him after he uh, ended up in Denver last year. Like the Nuggets are the defending champions and they're the Kings and the, and I mean, Kings, they have the crown until somebody knocks it off their head. So you went after the game. I think you um, talked to, Jokic about Chet Holmgren, who, you know, the thing about Holmgren isn't just that he's 7'2", or that he can shoot threes, or he can block shots and everything. Mm -hmm. It's that he isn't afraid of anything. No. Super confident. Not tough. Maybe some people, yeah, tough. You know, he's going to have challenges because of his bulk, but very impressive right from the start here. And I thought you could maybe let us in on what Jokic said about him. Yeah. Now, the the way I've always described Holmgren is you might be able to move him around, but you can't intimidate him. That's Joker right. can absolutely move him around, right? <laughs> and did. Man, Vuce, and Nick Vucevic did the other day too when they played another right. similar and, kind of guy. And so you know, I'm talking to Joker and just kind of ask him what he thinks about OKC, and then not specifically about Chet. And, uh, you know, very complimentary of him. Talks about what a unique town he is, yada, yada, yada. He does mention, like, might want to put on some some weight. And I said, you got any diet tips? He said, eat bad food. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's not exactly how he said it. <laughs> it is how he said it. Well, that's not the quote that I saw. Well, tell me the quote you saw. I don't have a transcript. He said, to be honest, he needs to get fatter. <laughs> yes. Eat bad food. That's what he said. Right. But, I mean, he didn't say bulk up. He says he needs to get fatter. <laughs> yeah, needs to put. Chet has a uh, an inverted booty, like <laughs> the, the thing. I mean, the guy is super skinny. Seriously, yeah. uh, Jackson put in the uh, in the chat. He's listed at one ninety five. I think he's. I I do think he's bulked up to two twelve. Like the kid is skinny. Oh, really? There's no doubt. He's like obviously he had a year where he's working on his body. So, so yeah, and he'll fill out some. He's never gonna be. Mark Eaton, like he's not going to fill out and be 300 pound or anything like that, but he'll fill out some. But again, he is tough. Like, despite being super skinny, he is t- tough. Defensive instincts are phenomenal. 
And he's a very skilled seven foot basketball player. Listen, when he was real drafted, timely, Mark Eaton reference too. Well, <laughs> yeah, I, I was Mark thinking Eaton, of like a R. huge Greg Oster tag. All right. Like a huge, you know, plotting another super timely player. reference. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Andre Drummond. Okay. Who crossed yeah, him that, up, by the way. Yeah. That's a, that's a better <laughs> reference. That's a better reference. If when chat, if when chat was drafted, we would have thought in his third game, he'd be the primary defender on Jokic. I think that would be pretty surprising. Well, I'll, I'll also say this is a game when Jay Will, Jalen Williams, the second round pick, would have been really nice to be able to throw it on the floor. He's got a hamstring he's dealing with. He hadn't played yet, yet this year. So it's not like, you know, they could, hey, Olivier Saar uh, on a two-way contract. Come well, on, I understand it, but Jay I think Will. it's the point that they're playing him at center. Right, but I'm saying if they're not, if they if they wanted to play a too big lineup, it'd be Jalen Williams who's not available right now. Well, and, and yeah, Poku got a little bit of playing time. Yeah, well, he's he, not he, exactly he... a big. <laughs> no, no, but that, but yeah, I mean, look, Chet playing center full time. We've talked about it a few times since the start of the preseason. One of the big questions coming into this year for me was going to be how much center could he realistically yeah. play, and what because because of what it could potentially mean for the Thunder, if he could play there full time. And the fact that he, from the start of training camp and Jalen Williams has been out there some of the time, I know he's hurt now, but it like from the jump, it's been Jets, our center. We're playing mm -hmm. our five best guys. This is what we're doing. That is such a potential game changer thing for the Thunder long-term. Like it, it really can't be overstated how important it is. And yeah, look, he, he obviously doesn't have the weight to hold up right now with Jokic. Same thing, like I said the other day, playing Nick Vucevic and Andre Jumman, two bigger guys, they're able to kind of body him around a little bit. Yeah, they only beat the Bulls by 20 and forced to play right. the meeting. Well, right, but that's the thing, right? Him playing center and giving them that rim protection inside. By the way, when he had those seven blocks against the Cavs, you mentioned how Peyton Watson's knocked him out of bounds. Every one of them saved inbounds to a teammate to go the other way. Like, yeah, and he was and he was matched up with Mobley, and Mobley, Mobley played okay in that game pretty well. But he got the best of Evan Mobley in that game. Sure did. And like Mobley that's had like, his first, by the way, as a quick aside, Mobley had his first 30 and 10 game Saturday night yeah. against the Playing Pacers. Playing the five, which with, with Alan Al, again, I think we might we might be seeing a glimpse of the Cavs' future there. I, I made that noise, not at that point, but uh, as this Lakers-Kings game is in overtime, JaVale McGee tipped the ball out to LeBron James on the run at center court like he, uh, like he was still on the Lakers, which was amusing. But... Um, <laughs> But look, to McMahon's point about the rookie of the year race, I, I think Chet is more than a viable guy to win that award. And I think when you look at mm -hmm. the way he's playing right now as a center, the way he's able to physically be imposing at both ends with his size inside right now, I think you can make a real argument. He's just better than Victor right now. And he might be better than Victor for a while. Now, well, Victor's got I an think... immense ceiling and his, his fluidity offensively gives him a chance to be an otherworldly mm -hmm. kind of player. But the fact that Chet is playing center at both ends and picking and popping like he is and nailing shots and impacting the game at the rim. It's a, it's just such a massive game changer for the thunder that it, it, it really could be a significant thing in the West as soon as this year for where the well, thunder are going to be. And the advantage of playing Chet at centers on the offensive end where you Absolutely. have these big guys who have to defend him. And he is seven foot, whatever, one, two, whatever they, they list him at with guard skills. And, and again, not like, hey, clear out, let Chet go to work, but pick and pop, can stretch the floor, can absolutely attack a closeout, especially well, both Victor and out. Chet. If they get the rebound, their team feel they can bring it up the court. They yep. don't even have to push yeah. it, they can bring it up and start it. Mm -hmm. So, your point yeah. on closeouts, McMahon, Victor had or Chet had a great catch, attack, and dunk on the wing today. Same, same sort of situation, like got a little bit of a seam and took it and went right to the rim. And you know, for uh, talking about Shingun in uh, Houston, yeah. by the way, does the same thing. Yep. Like it's, it's becoming, uh, I think he had seven or eight assists, uh, for the Rockets tonight against the Warriors. The Warriors uh, won in Houston, but it's becoming like the thing now seven over seven foot. You're, you know, obviously, Jokic, you're expected to be yeah. able if you're hard to have a negative player. offensive player on the court now, right? Like, it, or, it, it, or a negative ball handler, yeah. And I honestly, think. like seven footers who can't shoot the ball, it's crazy. If you're not a yeah. stretch five at this point, you better be a hell of a rim runner. Totally. Um, but the, and again, we're getting way ahead of ourselves on rookie of the year and all that kind of stuff. But 
Chet is obviously in a much better situation as far as the fit with the team and the Thunder are going, they got their ass whooped today, but they're going to be good. Are they 45 wins good? Are they 48, 50? I've talked to some scouts and executives who do think they're a top four team in the West. We'll see. But when it gets down to the end of the year, if people, if it's close and people are looking for a tiebreaker, Chet will be able to contribute to winning more this year than Vic. For well, the and- fact that he has, like, he's on a, it's not a way better team. team. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's yeah. also remember it's not quite apples to apples. You you mentioned a minute ago that 195 was probably what he came in as as a rookie, mm-hmm. and he's 212. That didn't happen in training. Yeah. The camp. extra that the extra year the extra year is a significant yes. thing for sure. Yes. The last the last rookie to make the All Star team was Blake Griffin mm-hmm. because he was Red in his second rookie. year. Yeah, and of course you remember Ben Simmons. You know he won the Rookie of the Year in his second year because he missed his first year. So saying that Chet's ahead of Victor right now is in it's in my view is not a controversial position. You'd expect him to be. No, quite and, frankly. And, and again, it's more so also just that the Thunder are ahead of the Spurs. They're yes, I think the Spurs are going to take a lot rebuild. of losses. Yeah, they're much the Spurs, further into the, the rebuild. And the Spurs lost by first team guy. <laughs> the Spurs lost by forty. Yeah, against the Clippers in LA on Sunday. They beat the phase two Rockets the other day, though. They did. And in overtime, Victor Victor got the game to overtime with sort of a bully ball post move. Mm-hmm. And uh then made several big plays in overtime. That was a, you know, that same night, Friday night, by the way, <laughs> just an absolutely glorious night in the NBA. Like seven or eight terrific things happened that night. Some 40 point performances. Luca. Oh, by the way, Luca. With one of my favorite Luca moments on the podium I've ever seen, and you can feel free, Mister McMahon, to to say this is better. But I don't know if you saw the highlight. The game is basically hanging in the balance. Tied up. There's very good defense being played by the Nets. Like they they've they've by smothered my like, friend and former teammate Dorian Finney-Smith both hands in his face. Right, but they they tried to run two or three actions on that play, yes. and the Nets smothered them. And Luca basically throws up a one handed. Side shot clock, sh- yes, shot clock running down. It was like a three-quartered arm, like you see a, a reliever coming out of the bullpen, right? And like Luca, even when he was celebrating, did this thing with his wrist, like he's throwing a curveball, because he kind of like <laughs> flicked his wrist like that. The thing goes way up, banks off the glass. And so the podium thing, you know, we talked to Dorian Finney Smith uh afterwards, and you know, the guy spent the first six and a half years of his career in Dallas. Him and Luca are tight, they were actually going to dinner that night. And Dodo's like, I ain't talking about basketball at dinner. Hey, I'm not, I'll just take the L. I ain't talking about basketball. <laughs> but he says, he said, hell no, nah, he ain't called glass. He said, don't even let him say he called glass. So we asked Luca about that. And Luca said, I said it in Slovenian, so he, he couldn't understand <laughs> it. <laughs> I didn't see that. That's a great rare, line. Rare W on the podium for Luca. I love Lu- No, I will say this. Luca, Luca is a trash talker. Obviously, you see that. Like he's always had this, but sense not of on humor. the podium. He's always had this sense of humor with his teammates. Over the last year, you have to get him in a good mood. When he's in a good mood, Luca likes to be funny and likes to have the one-liners. He just, I, he most of the time, he just doesn't want to talk to us, which is fine. I it is it. what it is. I but it. he's he's starting to come along to like, might as well do it. Might as well have fun with it. Well, anyway, on Friday. Victor forced overtime, made a couple of plays in overtime. The Spurs got their first win. They won at home against Houston. Now they had to go out west. Clippers on Sunday. I think they play the Suns in two games. I think they play a, a baseball series in Phoenix the next next couple of days. But the Spurs defense has been wretched in the first three games. Even with Luka playing okay at rim defense and getting some blocks. Although in this game, you mean Victor? This is his, What's it? Victor. I'm sorry. You said, you said Luke. I'm apologizing. Yeah, we just we're bouncing Luke, around Luke. like crazy. Luke, Luke yeah, it's all good. Victor. Yeah, it, was, Victor. It, was, it, was, it wasn't hard. It wasn't hard guess. Luca's rim, r- Luca's rim defense has been poor. I think we can say that. <laughs> but anyway, he he laid an egg in this one. This was his. You know, he had a. He had a. In the first half, he had two points and four turnovers. I think. Yeah. And, uh, only had 11 points in this game. The Spurs, I think, are going to take some losses because they just don't defend. I know the idea was they would get Luca and it would make a difference, and it has made some. Yeah, but over the first Luka three again, games, what, what, what is, what is going on? I, I don't know, you're right. Six, I'm, sorry. 
You discovered this guy. You should know his name. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, yeah. You'll never get 90 seconds with Luke. I can promise you that. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's something that we'll keep an eye on. I still think, you know, in this game tonight was a 40-point game. Victor still had a jaw-dropping play where he finished an alley-oop from half court or something like that. You know, yeah. I don't know how, if it was exactly half court. So, he's, yeah, he's going to have he's going to have those every game and there's going to be a lot of struggles in between, which is fine. Yeah. Like and, it's and not the, it's not the end of the world. And the Spurs are in total experiment phase. Like they're starting Jeremy Sohan at point guard and there's whether he ends up being a guy who can be a starting point guard or he just ends up being a point forward type of guy, like there's going to be long-term benefit to that but it's not a way to try to win games right now. And like, they get that they'll have a high lottery pick. They might have like a mid lottery pick from the Raptors. That thing's top six protected. And then this year's figuring out like who fits with Victor. How do they fit with Victor? And maybe who, who maybe should the Spurs move on from? Well, and the other long-term question with Victor to focus on is his shooting. I know everybody looks at his shot and thinks he's a knockdown, terrific shooter. He didn't shoot the ball great in games in Europe last mm-hmm. year. He shot under 30% from three. And so far this season, he's three for 13. Line. Right. And this so far this season, again, three games. I'm not, there's no, I'm not saying anything is permanent, right. but he went three for five in the first game, uh, the game you were at in San Antonio against Dallas. Mm-hmm. And he's 0 for 8 over the last two. He went 0 for 6 uh, against Houston from three, and he went 0 for 2 today. And if he's a 23 to 28% three-point shooter, that's much different than if he's a 35 to 42% right. three-point shooter because that totally changes the geometry of the court. So now I, I don't see where that ends he, up. I, in France last year, he took a lot of those crazy, like one-legged running. He threes. did a little bit. Uh, he, he got infatuated with it like early to mid-season, but he did, a, he did abandon it. Okay, I don't I know- think... I correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's taken any of those with the Spurs. No, and I I think he kind of got. I think he kind of retired it. Maybe not right. forever, but I think he put it on the shelf. And I know Pop. I think Pop has said he really hasn't put any limitations on him offensively. But that's one. Is <laughs> he doesn't well, want and, to take and, and again, it's one of those things where it's like you're taller than everybody by several inches. You really don't need to get creative to get your three off. Like what you do is you turn and you shoot over them. Right. Um, but it, it was interesting. You know, he- you know, I'll say something about this. I asked him about it when I first went over there in January. And cause at the time he was sort of into it. And I thought his mm-hmm. answer that he gave at that time was fascinating. And what he said was, is that he knows that when he gets to the NBA, that teams are going to take away the things that he likes doing, that they're going to look, even despite his size advantage, they're going to learn his tendencies and they're going to learn, you know, you know, how to try to keep the ball from him or how to try to force him to do certain mm-hmm. things. And he was already in his mind. Now, maybe, maybe a little bit too far ahead. He was working on a countermeasure. He's like the great players in history have great countermeasures. And so even though it's not maybe the ideal countermeasure situation that you got there, that's what he was developing it for. And that he he's not saying that in retrospect. He was saying that right. in the moment. Yeah. So. No, look, he's proven over even already in the short time we've seen him. He's proven that he is a guy who's going to be determined to get as good as he can and put in the work and improve his game. It's not like it's a pretty easy bet to bet he's going to become one of the all time great players if he stays healthy. But the shooting component is really the key to it. Like if that if it sits around 30 percent, it's just his ceiling is a lot different than if it gets right. to where his shot looks like it can get to. Because he comes a thirty-eight to forty percent shooter from three, then it's like you know, yeah. then well, he everything was, he opens was, up. Yeah, he was zero of six on Friday in that Houston game, but he got to the foul line eight times in that game. He got to the foul line six times in this one. His shooting percentages are probably going to come up a little bit, obviously, but getting to the right. foul line is something that is hard for young players, particularly rookies. But something that he really succeeded in doing. He got he got Francis. a real gift on two of those free throws today. I mean, he Russ yeah. tried. Russ came over and. I thought he was going to yam one on Russ, and instead he tried to do this weird jujitsu move around him and flung the ball off the backboard. And the the officials claim that Russ totally threw him off by hitting him on the leg. So I was like, "Come on, 
come on on this. But. Well, the, but the other thing about Victor, you know, we talked about the experiment with Sohan and point guard. At a certain point, he's going to, like, to maximize his ability, you're going to need somebody to set the table for him. Like, you're going to need yeah. a, a really good passing point guard, you know, somebody he can run two-man game with to get him good looks. You know, I, I watched his full pregame warm-up uh, before the opener, and, and I did, and sort of like, I think 1,000 other media <laughs> members. Like, honestly, Steph Curry's warm-ups became a thing, and like, especially like playoffs and stuff, you know, you'd see like people lining the yeah. court. This, the only other time I've seen anything like that was Steph. Like, there was hundreds of people lining the court. And it was his first game. It was kind of a big, up. kind of a big occasion. Right. Now. But anyways, I was getting to this. I think he went like 0 for 42 on pull-up threes during his warm-up. I have to say, when I went to his, when I saw him play in the preseason, he didn't look good in his three-point warm-ups either. Not that I'm going to. I got a similar Dutch. report from somebody who was at the game today also. <laughs> you know, but hey, you're seven foot whatever. If you're not a great pull-up three-point shooter, Okay, that's a flaw you can live with. If if he ends up being like just a catch and shoot three guy at that right. size, he's please awesome. play a week. He's played. <laughs> no, a week, yeah, but... for sure. We're yeah. we're saying that. But for people who want to follow his season, I think that's the most important thing to follow is yeah. watch his shooting and see where it ends up at the end of the year. Because I mean, look, yeah. he might shoot thirty eight percent over the final three months of the season. Like it wouldn't right. shock me at all if he makes significant well, improvements. As a and we we talked about the advantage of Chet playing center offensively for the Thunder. And so with the Spurs, Victor's a power forward. And that's how he's listed, and that's what he plays. When they played the Mavericks, he got in foul trouble. He was not much of a factor for the first three quarters. Then he came Mm -hmm. into the fourth quarter, and there was about a three-minute stretch where he played center. And coincidence or not, that's when he got cooking. And you know, long-term, down the road, I think he will play a lot of center and he's going to have a massive advantage on the offensive end matchup wise when he's in those situations. Having said that, I understand as a rookie, you know, they don't necessarily want him to take that kind of physical wear and tear, that kind of pounding. Zach Collins is a good player. Um, I, I get that pairing early on. I just think, again, as he gets into his 20s, it will be interesting to see how much he plays center and, and and how much he plays with another big. Every time I see Victor play right now, I think about the Flip Saunders sort of apocryphal story about Kevin Garnett when he met with him as a rookie and said, you're going to start out your career playing small forward. You're going to be an MVP and an all-time great as a power forward. You're going to finish your career as a center. And yeah. watching Victor, it's just, it just every time I see him when he's, you know, kind of popping around the perimeter, taking jumpers, like that's what I have in my head. Like as when he's 25, he's going to be a totally different guy physically. And he, that's, he'll be a full-time power forward. And right now he's probably more of a three and that's to- again, it's totally fine. It's all totally fine. Good stuff. More hoop collective podcast after this. All right, before we go, October 29th, 2003, LeBron James played in Sacramento to open his career. October 29th, 2023, the NBA puts LeBron James in Sacramento. That first game, 25 points, nine assists, six rebounds. I believe he was 12 of 21 that night. Tonight, 11 of 19, 20 years on, 27 points, 15 rebounds, eight assists, eight turnovers. He did not have eight turnovers. That, that how how many minutes? I know they're keeping him at 30. 39. Wow. It was overtime. Oh, well, gee. Well, this, this is the thing. Bad loss for the Lakers. Demonis Sabonis fouls out. Aaron Fox doesn't finish the game, limped off with an ankle injury after he came back and played. And they're playing the Magic tomorrow, Monday, I guess Monday tonight with the pod at home in L.A. I got to wonder if LeBron is playing in that game, Mm. right? I mean, 39 minutes, front half of a back-to-back. They're talking about being worried about his minutes. Understandably, the guy's playing in his 20th season in the league or 21st season. I don't remember. 20 years since his debut. If he isn't playing that game, they might be looking at one, one and three in 24 hours. Wouldn't be great. How was your game story that night? Your first NBA game story. It was, it was rough, man, because I had to file the buzzer. West Coast, West Coast newspaper deadlines, yeah. man. It was, it was East not, coasters. it was not good. Not good. No, I, 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 in all honesty, real talk. My first, <laughs> my first week. I mean, I had 
done preseason games, but there's my, you know, I was 25 and it was a three game road trip at SAC, at Phoenix, at Portland. And my production that week was not strong. I don't want to hear it, Wendy. And, Listen, you were covering high school football. Wendy, Wendy out of who's covered Wendy high school football. You're keeping your own stats and writing on deadline. Come on. Listen, Wendy out at the clubs is a 25 year old. Just he, not I, just uh, having the production, not behind beat, and he went straight in the diva mode. Straight in. <laughs> hey, listen, I I was questioning. I was questioning whether I was going to be able to pull this off. You know what? It's like. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but it seems like a lot of these guys that were Team USA are not off to great starts. Yep. I don't know if there's Aaron Jackson uh, is not playing well. Yeah, and Edwards hasn't gotten off to a great start. Uh, Brunson, Jalen Brunson had one good game. Um, yeah, uh, and small sample size. I don't know if there's any kind of correlation. It just, I'm just saying. Well, here's here's what I'm getting to, because we're not going to focus too much on the Lakers at this point. They are one and two, but so. Our arena where that game was 20 years ago tonight has been raised. It's gone. LeBron James, trivia here, guys. LeBron Uh-oh. James has, there's nine arenas that are either gone or no longer used mm. since LeBron got into the league. Man, the whiz of the quiz. Can you tell me these arenas. I mean, the names have changed or whatever, but I'll give you, and I'm going to say there's one, there's, there's two, one that I'll be surprised if you get just for one reason. And then there's sort of a trick one, but so he played, can you get the nine arenas that are Seattle's one? (laughs) There's the trick one. I didn't think you would get. So right out of the gate. I mean, come on. You can't like, that was not that hard. Key arena is gone. Our core, our core arena is gone. So it's seven others. Two of those are two of the nine. Uh, Orlando's is gone. That's three. Detroit's is gone. Four. Milwaukee's is gone. Five. Those are all torn down. New Jersey. That's six. I don't. Is that torn down, Bontemps? Is uh, it's. I mean, it's not torn down, but it's. Okay. And actually, I, they played in two arenas in Jersey. So if you want to count two, that's. Uh, they also played in Newark. The arenas exist, down. but they're not playing NBA teams there. NBA games um, aren't played. There I guess anymore. that's true. You know, I didn't think of the Prudential Center. He did play there, so maybe it's. Ten, I don't know how. Oh, that, you're saying so? The Oracle does not count on this list. It no, does. it count. That counts. Okay. Seven. No, Oracle. Scrolling through here to look. Can't wait till we can add San Antonio to this list. Um, <laughs> when did the uh, when did, did the Mavs Arena play? open, McMahon? I don't think he played in old Reunion Arena. No, he did not. He yeah. played, was always played in the American um, Arena. Did we did we say Orlando? You, you did, did at the beginning. Okay. Does did the, we, does, was did the Alamo Indiana? Dome open? No, no, say he, he, I think it was two or three years. The, uh, I think it was called the SBC center when he first started playing there. Got it. Got it. Indiana. Nope. It's always been, I think it was Conseco Fieldhouse when he first started playing there. Mm. All right, all right. The, the, the one real tough one you guys haven't gotten yet. Like the one I would be impressed that, that I've already in my head prepared okay. a, uh, a, um, a hint, but mm-hmm. there's, there's, I think there's one more. How many do we have to go? We got like. I think you've got two. Two, two left. Okay, give us hints. It's hint time. One of Charlotte. them. Charlotte. Charlotte. He played in uh, the Charlotte Coliseum. The Charlotte Coliseum. For, yeah. For a year. Okay. There's one left, and the hint is this building is still standing, and I believe it's partially used as a hotel now. Partially used as a hotel. It's in the Western uh, Conference. Uh, can we get points at this property? Is it? Is it? No, no, no. Well, it's not. It's not New Orleans. In the Western Conference, Minnesota's place? No, it's no. Uh, Minnesota wishes it was the. the it's not yeah, the it's Delta not Center, one. or the old whatever the hell Utah's. No, I mean LeBron's been around so no, long. It was a Delta no. Center that it was two other now things it's the out. Delta yeah. Center the Delta again. Center. Yeah, yeah, um, no. I'll give you that. one more hint. Yeah, See, it's now a Bass Pro Shops. Oh, oh Memphis. The, the, Memphis. The, the forum, the, the, yeah. the pyramid. Oh, the pyramid. that one. Yeah. I'm mad I didn't get that one. That's a good one. LeBron played one game in the pyramid. And what I remember about that night, LeBron's teammate was Dewan Wagner at the time. It was LeBron's rookie year. Mm-hmm. And we were walking to the locker room post game to do the interviews. And John Calipari, who was the head coach at University of Memphis at the time, which used the pyramid as their arena as well, 
was going to the Cavs locker room with us to talk to Dewan Wagner to go see Dewan Wagner. We had played for him at Memphis, and he didn't have a credential. He didn't have a pass, <laughs> and the security guard wouldn't let him back. That's John great. Calipari in his arena couldn't get to the locker room. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, sure can handle that really well. Actually, <laughs> I won't comment on that. But I think, yeah. actually, I guess Bonteps, I didn't consider the Prudential Center. That was sort of a transitional, a gap a gap arena, if you will. It was, yeah. But yeah, that's it's, it's how I know I'm getting old, is all these arenas uh, are getting torn down. So, but... Um, yeah, the, yeah, the Lakers. <laughs> the Lakers, um, I don't think their team is as deep as maybe was perceived. You mean they we didn't will, have the greatest offseason in the history of humankind this offseason, like we were led to believe? As I said, their offseason was fine. Listen, all I know is this. Christian Wood, KD stopper, baby. He is front runner for defense player of the year after what I saw against the Suns. Hey, C. Nice. Wood was a plus 12 in 14 minutes tonight. I wonder why I only played 14 minutes. Good question. Didn't miss a shot from the field. Three for three, two for two, three for three. They they got to give him more time. That's the only that's the only answer to that. I know one man who would agree with that. <laughs> I know a couple. All right. Um, to be continued, as the season is in full swing, we're going to try again for three podcasts this week. We'll Ooh, see if we get her done. Yeah. Well, well, I hope we stay healthy. I know a couple guys who are always available. <laughs> hey man, I was unavailable on Friday uh, or Thursday. Saying. We're just glad bit. you're feeling better, pal. Listen, we, we, we you got AC Green here with you, baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Always, in some yeah. ways, not others. Oh, <laughs> we, 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 we won't we won't go into what AC stands for. Jeez. <laughs> um, all right, thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to Bob Thank you to Jackson. Thank you to McMahon. We will talk to you in a few days. Adios, amigos. Mm-hmm.